0: Please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby and Today we're studying Masechet Ketubot, Daf Samech Zayin, page sixty-seven. From the Mishnah on yesterday's Daf to the very top of tomorrow's Daf. This Sugya Mishnah to Mishnah, is a well-known and often taught section in the Talmud, which unwraps some of the thornier issues of tzedakah. Most Jews know that tzedakah is a mitzvah, but what we don't always know is how to handle some of the more complex issues of tzedakah. Every Jew is obligated to give 10% of our income to the poor. But even if every Jew actually gave 10%, who actually would get that money? and how exactly would we split it up? The question of allocating funds is a difficult one, and our DOF today addresses that very issue. How does the community figure out who gets what? Every communal fund has a pretty fixed amount of money to give away. Let's say, for example, that you're the executor of the communal fund and you have, oh, X amount of dollars to give away to the poor. But a lot of different people come asking, One person comes in with his family who've been living on the street for months, and they come and they ask for enough to sustain their family for a month. If you were to give this person and his family a few thousand dollars, they are going to be golden. They'll be beside themselves with joy. They can get cheap housing, feed themselves with very simple food, and they could even probably get themselves some new clothes to wear to school or on business interviews. But at the same time, you have someone else come in who's a former Wall Street exec who's been living on Fifth Avenue with his family. The kids have been going to private schools and fancy camps, and they wear fabulous clothes, and they're used to having drivers drive them around in fabulous cars. The financial crisis, however, has hit them hard, and they've lost everything. Do you give them the same amount of money that you gave the previous family? it won't take them nearly as far, and they're used to a very different way of life. If we don't sustain them up to their current standard, they might face a different kind of problem, shame, and a very different different kind of discomfort than the first family. Does that matter? Should it matter? The Gemara wonders the same thing. Towards the top of Amad Bet, we see the verse upon which the next several passages will hang. Taken from Devarim, chapter 15, this is verse 8, a verse which arises in the context of the laws of the sabbatical year. As the Torah is reviewing the laws of the sabbatical year, which was presented first in Vayikra, the Torah expresses some concern about what a person might think. In the sixth year where debts will be released in the seventh. If we go back to the source for this verse we see that the Torah in Devarim doesn't actually tell us how to give tzedakah. Instead the Torah is reviewing these laws. In Vayikra we were taught that every seven years there would be a release of debts. But of course Vayikra is written in a perfect world. We've just gotten the Torah. We haven't started our wanderings in Bamidbar. And by the time of Deuteronomy, when we're just about to enter the land, or if we read the Torah in a historical bent, where we may even have been already settled, the Torah comes with a sense of reality. The ideal world of economic equality and releasing of all debts is no longer the case. Now the Torah recognizes that there will be poor people, and you may want to avoid lending to them. Do not harden your heart. If there is among you a needy person, one of your own brothers, do not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your needy brother. And then here, verse 8. Open, open your hand to him. And lend, lend to him. Enough for what he's lacking. Share what he is lacking. It's an interesting verse. A lot of repeated words Patoach open open your hand Haaveta Amitenu lend lend and de Marsro Asher Yacharlo as much as he is missing what he is missing What are all of these repeated words? The first Tosavot on Amud Bet, which starts with the words, Vechachamim omrim ask this very question on the words, Ha'avet ta'avitinu, lend, lend. They look at a number of other sugyot around the Talmud and other repeated words in the Tanakh, and they try to figure out, is this just written for emphasis? Dibra Torah Shon b'nei Adam, that the Torah sometimes just talks in the language of human beings and repeats words to emphasize them, or does each word come to teach a different law? In the case of this last phrase of the verse asher sarlo, the Gemara suggests that in fact each part of the repetition actually comes to teach a different thing. Day, just like die or enough, just as much or enough for what he is missing. Day machsero and then asher yasarlo what he is missing according to the breta marsero la shro, you are required to give him parnasa sustain him but you don't have to make him rich De marsero just give him enough for what he's lacking but then the second part of the phrase asher what he is lacking. You should give him exactly what he is lacking. What he is missing. Even a horse and a slave to run in front of it. So here's the question we asked at the beginning of our study today. If someone is used to a certain way of life, is it appropriate tzedakah to provide just enough to keep the person alive? Or are we required to keep a person in the style to which he is accustomed, even to the point of getting him a horse to ride upon and a servant to run in front of it? Or in our language, would you get this family a driver and a fabulous car because that is what they're missing? Argamara never actually answers the question. Instead, it brings a series of stories to explore the very complexity of the issue. First, the story of Hillel the Elder. Amru alav al Hillel hazaken shalachah le ani bentovim sus lirkavalah veevad larutz lefanav pa machat ba matza evad larutz lefanav v'ratz lefanav shloshami It was said about Hillel the Elder that he took for an ani bentovim a person who was poor but had come from a well-to-do family. He took for him a a horse to ride upon and an eved, a slave, to run in front of it. Once he couldn't find a slave, so he ran himself three miles or three milen. This is a strange story. Are we meant to learn that we should provide for formally well-to-do people up to the level they are accustomed to or not? Is the fact that Hillel Hazaken humbled himself to act as a chauffeur for a formally well-to-do person a good thing? Or could that be teaching us that we shouldn't be asking for such things because how dare someone allow the great Hillel the Elder to be shamed in this way? Next, a story is told of a town in the Upper Galilee where an entire animal was slaughtered every day just to benefit an Ani Ben tovim. Is this wasteful or is this meaningful to tzedakah? The Gemara doesn't really tell us. Next, a man came before Rabbi Nechemia to ask for food. Rabbi Nechemia asked him, what are you used to eating? And the poor man says, oh, I like fine things. yashan, I like aged wine and I like fancy meat. Rabbi Nechemia says, well, that's not how I eat. You want to join me for some lentils? The man eats the lentils and he dies. <laughs> the Gemara wonders, wait, what happened here? Whose fault was this? First, it accuses Rabbi Nehemia for feeding the man something that would kill him. But then the Gemara switches back, wait a second, Adaraba. On the contrary, ee is his fault, he should not have spoiled himself so much. If I walk by a homeless person on the street and he asks me for a roast beef sandwich and I say all I can give him is a bagel, Am I responsible if it makes him sick, or is he? The next story asks the same question. Who is really responsible for an ami Ben Tovim, A poor person asks Rava for some food, and when he requests fatty meat and aged wine, Rava actually lectures him. Don't you worry about burdening the community with those kinds of requests? Lo chaishta de tarcha de I love this question, because the poor person actually lectures Rava right back. He even brings a breitah to teach the great Rava. Why does it say Enei kol Elecha yisaberu ten lahem etochlam be'ito? That line from the Ashrei. Why does it say that you give them their food in his time? It doesn't say in their time, but it says in his time. God actually provides, the beggar brings this bright to teach, to each person, whatever he needs, in God's time. Ito, in his in each individual's time as well. Amazingly, after hearing this lecture, Rafa goes home and his sister comes to visit. He hasn't seen her for 13 years. And it seems as though she just stops by and what does she bring with her? Huh? fatty meat and aged wine exactly what the beggar had requested so who was justified here it seems like the beggar is actually correct in his assessment god actually does seem to provide for each individual in each person's time what are all these stories coming to teach it's not really so clear hillel has a can seem to have believed you should give a person whatever he's missing. And the story of the people of the Upper Galilee seems to suggest you should not. You'll put the whole town out. But the story with Rabbi Nehemia suggests that no one should let himself get so spoiled. And then the story with Rava seems to suggest that everybody deserves exactly what he likes and what he is missing. So in the beautiful style of the Gemara, our has presented a halachic idea and then explored how very complex it is not with a series of stated opinions or laws, but with a series of stories, legal precedents and tales that express the different angles of the situation. By the end of this series, the one thing we have learned is that each case is individual. The stories are in their way timeless, as they know, we know, they could be happening even in our own time, and the questions about them remain endless. Certainly, no matter what, these stories remind us at the least that we have to support all of our communal funds because there will always be people of all backgrounds who will need our help until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.